0: Hello, it's Nick Brown, Editor-in-Chief of Archives in Disease and Childhood. Welcome to the June Atoms. The theme for this month is non-urgency. Okay, I'll admit it, I find the ending salvo to a paper to the effect that more studies are urgently required oddly enervating. In essence, I think there are four reasons. Firstly, it should be a reader's prerogative to decide which level of the ecosystem of evidence the paper inhabits. Secondly, it feels as if the authors are perhaps trying too hard. Thirdly, it has an oddly counterintuitive diminishing effect on one's confidence in the findings. It's easy to misconstrue as saying, we're not sure our findings stand alone, let's get some more evidence. Finally, on a pedantic or a semantic point, it often represents a misuse of the term urgency, which of course means of an importance requiring swift action. This practice isn't of course confined to medicine and is perhaps simply a reflection of societal trends the email exclamation mark, the use of bold and capital letters, the near anatomical attachment to the mobile and social media site, the raising of voices, ruffling of feathers, to which we are all probably becoming unwittingly inured. As you will have guessed, I prefer papers to make their point or points, than quietly leave the reader to assimilate. In this vein, none of this month's papers express any urgency, but all are important and confident in their own skins, One of the many reasons I enjoyed them. I think you will too. Post-mortem rates have fallen over the last few years. Of the order of 50% of parents decline, a decision many subsequently regret, having lost the opportunity for information which might have helped them come to terms with their loss. Though non-invasive autopsy, NIA for short, based on MRI and CT, and minimally invasive autopsy, which is NIA, as well as a limited laparoscopic examination with complementary investigations such as microbiology and placental histology are now well developed. Little is known about the perceptions of those most directly involved. Other than parents, these of course include medical personnel, pathologists and coroners. Siberia and colleagues tackle this gap in an absorbing qualitative study. Though the advantages, and there are many, are well known, the limitations and reservations articulated were as surprising as thought-provoking. Doubts about the validity of the tests against the gold standard, confidence in microbiology and suspected sepsis, and de-skilling of trainee pathologists were all voiced. There seems little doubt that these techniques will become more widely used, so the issue is how these valid concerns can be addressed. The Weekend Effect in the UK, at least, the prickly issue of the relationship between hospital mortality in adults and time of week of admission has caused not inconsiderable chagrin. As a result, though, of residual confounding and study heterogeneity, the jury is at least partly still on the fence. Little is known about the weekend effect in children, and Greenoff and colleagues' systematic review and meta-analysis is therefore very welcome. Unsurprisingly, they found similar obstacles to those in the adult literature – but on meta-analysis of the ten appropriate papers found no significant weekend effect on mortality. Perhaps mortality, as a thankfully relatively rare event in children, is too crude an outcome by which to define quality, and their finding that length of stay appears to increase at weekends suggests other measures might be more sensitive barometers of differences. Intensive care, when to change tack. Paediatric intensive care has advanced so far that children with life-limiting conditions are now routinely offered care when in the not-so-distant past they would not have been even admitted. Numerically, the greatest numbers are those with cardiac, respiratory, oncological and neurological diagnoses. And an elegant linkage study by Fraser and accompanying editorial by Pearson put these changes into perspective. An overall 58% of PICU admissions and 73% of deaths concern children with life limiting conditions. An odds ratio is for death in this group during admission of 1.75 and to one year post-discharge of 2.6. So though the majority of such children survive this year, the papers mount a cogent argument for consideration of palliation in the broadest context for the subgroup for whom intensive care is often merely prolonging the sadly inevitable. Old injury patterns and new debate. There are a few areas which divide opinion and generate emotion in the way that child abuse does. One reason, of course, being that the inherent difficulty in diagnosis of events are so rarely witnessed or admitted. One area which has been extensively studied is that relating to the triad of signs, subdural hemorrhage, retinal breeds and encephalopathy in non-mobile children and possible non-accidental shaking. New evidence, of course, as in any debate, is to be welcomed. In 2016, the Swedish Agency for Health and Technology Assessment published a systematic review which challenged this association. Given how divisive the area, the report, unsurprisingly, generated a strong reaction. And in this issue, Kemp and colleagues provide their response. I hope you found these papers and the others as stimulating as I have done. Thank you for listening.